Throughout Jesus' trial, there has been a conflict between truth and human frailty and hypocrisy. And the conflict here turns violent. Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. The words turned from wheedling to mocking. We are witnessing a similar turn in our day. However much violence is deplored, unrest is again a normal experience on American and European streets, just as it has been across the world throughout history. This time it's begun with vitriolic denunciations, cancellations even, across the internet. But the violence of the words is slowly but seemingly inevitably spilling into the IRL in real life world. Words against the truth in any age have no recourse but to violence. Jesus Christ, the truth, cannot actually be silenced or compromised, so he must be attacked. Verse 4 reveals that Pilate is, for all his declarations of Jesus' innocence, a tyrant. In his mind, there is no conflict between judicial mutilation at his hand and in the next breath proclaiming that he finds no fault in him. Casual brutality is always more chilling than hot rage. Jesus absorbs humanity at its worst. The violence is far from over. Mob rule prevails. Bloodlust has been stoked. Only death will sate it. It is only after Jesus appears scourged, tormented with thorns, and bearing an ironic token of his disgrace in the purple robe, that they become explicit in their request. Crucify him, crucify him. And when they're asked why, it's as if a trump card is revealed. The charge of the leaders that Pilate has been trying to get out of them finally comes not in a courtroom, but in obeying mob. We have a law and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. That has not come up in the trial as John records it. The other gospels do record a kind of entrapment. The Jewish leaders ask Jesus effectively, when did you stop committing blasphemy? But John saves the real sticking point as the unverified hearsay of a mob. This continues to be the pattern for Christians across the world today. In Pakistan, a Christian can be beaten and imprisoned if one Muslim says that they heard them blaspheme. In North Korea, only a Bible is enough to be taken away to a labor camp to be worked to death. Children are encouraged to inform on their parents. 
In our country, there are certain labels which can be attached without evidence to a Christian minister, which will guarantee death threats, public shaming and dismissal from their post. Pilate is afraid at the vitriol and this new twist, which he's been unable to unmask until now. Again, he attempts to assert his authority by wielding violence and death. That is the ultimate power that unredeemed humanity possesses. Jesus speaks only once in John's account between his scourging and his crucifixion. The thing he says is something to wrestle with, to meditate upon. Why does he say it? Let me read. Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath a greater sin. This is not an answer to Pilate's question. Pilate already knows enough about who Jesus is and where he's come from. That's not the issue. The issue in Jesus' mind is to reduce Pilate's complicity for what he's about to do. Jesus responds to deathly, horrific, even casual violence with concern for the perpetrator. Pilate, like any bully, issues a threat to bring about fear. Don't you know I have the power to kill you or to release you? But Jesus sees that Pilate is the one who is afraid. He takes Pilate's words in a totally different sense, as if they were a cry for help. Don't you know what a bind I'm in, Jesus? Either way, I'm going to kill you or release you. Help. Of course, that's not how he was speaking. But Jesus hears it as a panicked cry, rather than a boast that Pilate holds his life in his hand. Jesus reassures Pilate that his culpability is limited. Even now, Pilate could acknowledge publicly that Jesus is innocent. He could plead with Jesus for forgiveness for his cowardice. He could ask Jesus what he should do. There's a strong biblical parallel between this scenario. The prophet Jeremiah confronts an Israelite ruler the last ruler of Jerusalem. Zedekiah knows what he must do. Jeremiah's told him many times over, surrender to the Babylonians, give it up, accept your authority is gone. Zedekiah comes to Jeremiah for help after he has thrown him in prison. Yet he still ignores what Jeremiah says. Confronted with his abuser, Jesus is thinking how he can save him. Jesus absorbs the worst of humanity. He takes it up into himself and offers help and escape for those dragged down the spiral of escalating violence. 
Pilate rejects the invitation. He returns to where he feels most powerful. He can't strong arm Jesus. So he uses Jesus to strong arm the people. We've seen this in revelations from politicians recently who are intentionally using the fear of the pandemic to feather their own political nests. We see it now in public figures using the threat of some catastrophe or other to scare people into ever more draconian measures for public safety. But now it goes beyond political leaders and the powerful to confronting us with our worst. The people disown Jesus. Just as we know we have done when the circumstances are right and we fear we have too much to lose. They are baited into going further than they would normally be comfortable with themselves just to make sure the earth is rid of him. We have no king but Caesar. Jesus has threatened their world, so they will give up their world to destroy him. The discussion between the leaders and Pilate at the end of this section demonstrates that the worst of humanity does not have the last word. They are determined to disown him. But in the end, the weak, fearful tyrant finally gets a backbone and denies their final request. The outcome is that Jesus is proclaimed king of those who have just demanded his death. At the very zenith of his humiliation, he is proclaimed, however ironically, the king of the Jews. They must have him as their king, despite all their efforts to reject him. There's nothing particularly historical about this crowd. That's why John includes three languages that take in the whole of humanity. The whole world, past and present, is taken up representatively here. Jesus absorbs the worst of humanity to destroy it forever so we can be saved.